good luck with the world. Welcome back to Girls Gone Wad. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us on this relaunch and for all the amazing feedback you've given us so far. We're very excited to welcome back Laura Ligos to the show. She is a registered dietitian. She's been on our show, on both of our shows, multiple times now. You might as well just have like a guest, a running guest spot on our show because our listeners love love you. We love you. Um, and you just provide such good information about health and wellness. You have a new beautiful baby. You talk a lot about being a new mother and postpartum life. And I think a lot of people, at least myself included, love going to your stories and love going to your Instagram, um, which is the Sassy Dietitian, because you aren't afraid to rage about the BS that's out there. And there's a lot of BS out there in the diet world. And I think that's a why you're called the sassy dietitian. So you've always been that but you're not bashing for the sake of bashing. And and I wouldn't even say get this bashing, I would say you're getting fired up because the misinformation can be so harmful that as a professional, and I see this in the mental health world, the misinformation can be so harmful that it's just like, how can this be legal? <laughs> You know, for instance, I re- I think it was a couple, I think it was on the first episode I released here on, on Girls Gone Wad the, for the relaunch was I get so annoyed and angry and sad and scared when I see eating, I can help you get over your eating issues on your bio and you have no credentials. I mean, yeah. that is just unbelievably maddening to me as a professional who A, does not specialize in eating disorders. And as a therapist, I even know that if someone comes to me with an eating disorder, that I'm not going to treat that person. So what on the God's green earth gives you the right to put in your bio that you're going to help people get over your eating, their eating issues and here sign up for my course. What? So, so you, I know you and the, in the nutrition and the dietitian world see a lot of that and what you're just trying to do. And I think what I'm trying to do is educate people on what to look for when you're going to a professional. Because look, you can go to whomever you want for these for advice. But if you really want quality help, here's what you need to be looking for. Yeah, the the social media space has just been honestly kind of a dumpster fire. Like the past year and a half, it's been really hard to watch it unravel and unfold because I just think the misinformation has spread like wildfire as there's wildfires going on in the US. Like it's it's sad to see that parallel, unfortunately. And it's just hard sometimes to keep showing up when you're like, I have to once again tell you guys that no, we don't need to listen to this person who has eating specialist or my favorite, the hormone specialist. Like people who have literally no business being or claiming to be what they say they are and charging for these services. And I think that's what really boils my blood is I, some, you know, I, I think that some might say my approach could be negative, but I like to think of it as an, a positive because I'm empowering you to fully understand what it is that you're consuming and understanding what the misinformation is and start critically thinking through like, what is it or what do I need who do I need in order to improve my health as opposed to, oh, this person has a million followers. They obviously are credible and I need to follow whatever they're saying. Right. Which again, everyone has the free will to seek nutritional advice from whomever they want. And that's great if you want to go to a celebrity and buy their skinny tea. I mean, if that makes you feel good for a week, I don't know, maybe you're in the toilet half the time. But I mean, if that's If that's what you need, by all means. I think what we're here to say is 
that's just very short lived. And we're going to remind you till we're blue in the face. And we've said it almost every episode is there's no quick fix. There's no quick fix. There's no magic diet pill. There's no secret thing that like this influencer is doing to have those six packs six pack abs, because guess what? He or she was born with them. And there's really nothing. Anyway, their lifestyle is so completely different. I have to have this conversation conversation. Um, Most of my clients are women of childbearing years who either have kids or don't have dogs or cats. They have responsibilities. Plus they have a full-time job. Plus they want to work out. Like there's so many things on their plate. And I just have to say, you need to take a step back and be realistic. That influencer, that celebrity, that fit fit spell person that you're following, even the CrossFit athlete who is transparent. There are very transparent CrossFit athletes now more so than there were even like a year or two ago, but even them, like comparing yourself to someone whose full-time job it is to work out and weigh and measure their food is absurd to take nutrition advice from a, an elite athlete whose background is in like finance also absurd. Like they have a six pack one, like you said, because of genetics or two, because their life literally revolves around the fitness space. They have the time and the energy and the, you know, means to actually achieve said aesthetic. And you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, I sent you that article yesterday about Sarah Sigmund's daughter. I don't know if you want to dive into that. Yeah. Let's go ahead and dive into that. But she uh, basically came out, I think it was on insider and she basically said she was worried about her potential uh, fertility down the road because she wasn't having a period. And her doctor literally told her it's normal as an athlete to not have your period, which it's not, that is not normal. It's common, but it's it's not common, but it's not normal. Yes. I'm going to, I'll post the article in these show notes here. It's, and it's sad. I'm so proud of her for standing up for her health and recognizing that it could have a long-term effect on something like fertility that is important to her. Um, but not just fertility. I mean, when you don't have a period, there are other things going on hormonally and you increase your risk of osteoporosis down the road of injury short term. And so there's just a lot of things that can happen when a female is not it's not menstruating. And for her to basically be told that it's fine, you're an athlete, it's normal is, is scary. I was told the same thing. When I was a freshman in college, I lost my period for a year and my coach and doctor, everyone was like, yeah, it's fine. You're just working out a lot. And at the time I was like, okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But then I realized as I was in nutrition classes and learning about metabolism and everything, I was like, "Mm, this is not normal. I don't feel good. I'm not performing well. And so that's really my, you know, kind of bringing it back to how we got here is you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Yes. So yes, they might have a six pack and look like, oh my God, drop dead gorgeous. So cut, so ripped but then they don't have a period and they they struggle getting pregnant or they're having trouble sleeping, which can happen. They're having injury after injury, which can happen. They're, they're experiencing anxiety or depression, mental health. You know that like there's things that sometimes are not conveyed through a body image that you see. And that's really where it can get scary because this person is saying, I take these greens and I take this supplement and that supplement. They have no education or background and you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Oh, speaking of that, I would really like to know your thoughts because I'm seeing these ads all the time and it's driving me crazy because I don't even know where they're coming from. 
But um, what is up with athletic greens? Greens powders. Take a deep (laughs) breath, Laura. I mean, this is the hot one. This is the hot. I hear it. I mean, that's on every podcast episode. They're a sponsor of the show. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. And sponsored by athletic greens. off. (laughs) Um, Okay. So athletic greens, the actual brand, they have a decent product if what you're looking for is a greens powder if you need it. Most people don't need it. So what I mean by that is is third-party tested. The ingredients they're putting into it are, as far as we know, safe and fine. So yes, if you're taking like the bird's eye view approach, you taking athletic greens is doing nothing damaging. It's just probably not helping you to the level you think it is. And you're not, you probably don't need it. And honestly, you're just spending a ton of money on something that tastes gross from what I've heard. And a lot of influencers are like, oh it, my tastes God, it tastes great. great. Yeah. But you can tell like, they're like just pushing it. And it down. I also understand that like a lot of these influencers make a lot of money through the affiliate sales. And I myself make money through affiliate sales. And I try to be transparent with that. I just feel that my licensure and my credibility is on the line. They just kind of go, oh, cool. This company is going to pay me a ton of money and it looks good. It looks healthy. I don't know how many of them actually stick to it. Also, in the, a lot of these greens, pro- I could talk about greens for days. No, I'm, I'm really interested because greens are such a buzzword yeah. uh, that you need to eat more greens. You need to eat more leafy, be- leafy green vegetables. And, you know, so green juices and celery juice and whatever the heck. Oh, uh, who was, who did I recently see? Uh, oh, it was a Peloton instructor, which I love Peloton. I do Peloton. So it's like no shame at all. But what I'm saying is like, just being careful of what people are pushing because they go run 10 miles and they're like, I got my green juice for breakfast. And I'm like, that's all you're eating. Like I'd be starving if I had ran 10 miles. Or she's like, my skincare routine is celery juice. I'm like, is it like, or are you getting facials every day? Because you're making a lot of money. I don't know. I mean, just not to mention there's that like healthy user bias. I don't know if that's the actual correct term when we're talking about research, but it's basically like the healthy person who's going to take the greens is also the person who's going to be eating vegetables regularly and walking and moving their body and not smoking and not eating processed food. So that person is using the greens and you're seeing the greens as that quick fix of like, oh, this is something that's going to be the the one thing that I'm missing in my diet that's going to give me the six pack or going to help me lose 10 pounds. When really that person who's using it, they already are healthy. The greens is kind of just like, it's repetitive. It's redundant. That's the word I want. Like it's it's, redundant. They're already doing it. Yeah. I mean, because if they weren't taking it, what would, what would happen? I mean, it's, what is it preventing? Is it a preventative measure? Is it preventing cancer? Is it preventing COVID? Jesus. What is the marketing? I don't. I don't know. You know. I'm, no, it's a serious People question. Will take like, anything. So yeah, it's like. Knows? I mean, <laughs> Joe, <coughs> Joe Rogan. <laughs> oh God! I can't even with that. I can't. I can't. I can't. Uh, anyway, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. Laura. I'm just like. I'm like. I'm already adding to the stress of your. Love it. I love it. It gets me fired up. But like, so so, let's take these greens again. So people say, okay, but the research shows that it reduces risk of cancer or it uh, reduces risk of heart disease, or it helps to stabilize blood sugar. And so if you look at the label, there'll be stars next to all of those claims. And one, it'll be because the FDA doesn't actually regulate those claims. You're allowed to pretty much put whatever you want within a certain means. Two, a lot of them 
have proprietary blends and a proprietary blend is their way of making it sound fancy to the consumer. So the consumer is like, Ooh, proprietary this, they must have it. They must've nailed it. They so got it, the secret magic yes. mix. It's the secret to life. But yeah. here's the problem is that like, so green tea extract, I don't, I forget the other components that are in athletic greens or whatever there's first form, which is a whole nother, I was going to say, I don't know. Am I allowed to swear? <laughs> Are you kidding me, Laura? How long have we, how long have I known you? How I never know. You, I'm like, I how long have I known you on this podcast? That is a whole nother shit storm. <laughs> so, so proprietary blend means that they, they will tell you what's in the blend. They will not tell you how much of the ingredient is in the blend. So in research, they've looked at something like say green tea extract or, or green tea powder, which is matcha powder and say, okay, this is at, you know, X milligrams for X amount of days taken consistently will produce Y result. But the proprietary blend might literally have like 0.001% of what was used in research. So now they're using these claims based on research that was at a different level than their proprietary blend. And so a lot of times you're not even getting those benefits because there you don't know what's in the in the proprietary blend how many times can I say that word so like it, it's say it just five is, times fast proprietary, proprietary blend. Blend. <laughs> I can't I can't yeah so you're paying for you don't know what you're paying for and that's my issue with it is like you're paying for this product that you think is going to just give you you know be the the you know mecca for health or whatever and really it's like you're probably just paying for a lot of powdered spinach with it which at that point like you might as well just go eat spinach i don't know like it just doesn't seem worth it to me Mm -hmm. with a caveat and that caveat is for instance someone came to me and was like for someone who cannot get vegetables so there's two areas that i see this in one people who have trouble actually consuming food so someone who maybe is dysphagic dysphagic can't even say that. So someone who has trouble swallowing, um, so they can't actually like chew and swallow their food appropriately. So they may need a powder that's blended up into a smoothie or a thickened liquid. Fine. That makes total sense. Or someone who say, uh, like someone in the military who doesn't have access to fresh food and is feeling really run down, they might benefit from something like this. Those are obviously extremes. And there are going to be people on the spectrum of health that could benefit from something like this, but not everybody needs them. And that's, I think, where I say the the phrase, it depends every day of my life, because it truly does. If someone came to me and said, I'm having a ton of issues getting greens into my diet, I really want more fiber, I want more vegetables, but I'm having issues because I'm in the field all day. I can't bring any, any cooler. Like if you're giving me all of these, you know, scenarios where you can't get fresh fruits and vegetables, it's really hard to do so. And we can't make up for it on the weekends or the evenings or the mornings. Fine. Then that might be a scenario, but most people are not that scenario. Most people are looking for that quick fix when really we can look at the rest of their diet and I can probably find ways that they can improve it through actually eating fruits and vegetables and actually prioritizing their health in a different manner than just throwing money at athletic greens or insert any green powder. So this is another great reason to follow Laura Legos on social media, because I love when you do talk about products, because I feel like I can trust you. And granted, I am someone who wants to hear from a reliable source. And I think that's also important to you. And that we want people to just be critical thinkers and be mindful of where you're getting your information on all spectrums. 
But when you post something and a product, I'm thinking like she knows what she's talking about. She's a reliable source. And this is something that if I see in the grocery store and I'm inclined to buy it, I'll probably buy it because you're, you aren't out to sell things. You aren't out to just do diet tricks. I mean, you actually know that these, that if you were to do something gimmicky, it could cause more harm than it could be helpful. And I just really, really appreciate that. Are there any things that are kind of trendy out there right now that you do think are legit in the diet space? Oh, I thought you were going the other way. I'm like, yeah, I can tell you things that aren't legit. Because <laughs> I know I know, almost everything is not in your mind. But is there anything that you're like, yeah, because I see like some protein yes. powders behind yes. you. Like, oh my God, any- how funny is this? I'm like, yeah, I had a client call and I'm back in my office. I feel like I wasn't for a while because of Connor and like going back and forth. And last night she's talking about like a protein powder. And I'm like, like you know, I'm a dietitian when there's literally just product behind me. I'm like, so, you have yes. a lot of products behind you, but I, but are there things that you feel like, yeah, it's okay to take and by okay, I mean, uh, useful to your body. Totally. So I would say three that come to the top of my mind and granted, we also have to remember that my clientele are active humans. So I'm not saying that if you're an inactive human that you wouldn't use these, but that's my, my general clientele. So one is electrolytes. People come to me all the time and they're like, oh my God, like I'm drinking so much water and I'm peeing it out. Electrolytes can actually help you absorb and utilize hydration in a more efficient manner, especially if you're someone who's active and sweating and losing a lot of your water and electrolytes through sweat, through pee, through everything else. So that's one that I do think. And a lot of people are like, well, what's the difference between noon and liquid IV? Is one better than the other? Not really. It depends what you need it for. So there's liquid IV, there's noon, there's LMNT, ultra. There's like, there's a ton of them on the market. And I think that there's value in most of them. And so the cool thing with that is that there's all, there's also like a variation of like how much sugar is in one or the other. And people freak out about sugar. And I'm like, when you are someone who is active, you burn through carbohydrates faster than if you were someone who was sedentary. And that sugar is what you're replacing. You're helping to replace mu- muscle glycogen, which is what you lose when you're working out. But you also help the, the water get into the cells a little bit faster. And mo- a ton of women come to me and their carbohydrate intake is so low. Like I'm talking below 150 grams and that is not enough for an active human, let alone just a human being. And so I look at that and I'm like, okay, what is it? I don't even know how many grams of carbs I should know this, but in liquid IV, there's probably like 10. I could be completely wrong. I shouldn't say, but for someone who's active and you're drinking around your workout, you're fine. You're going to be fine. And if you're someone who's like, I'm super sweaty, but I already eat a lot of carbohydrates around my, my workouts, maybe noon is the good option for you. Noon is actually what I drank through labor. I don't think it did. I had liquid IV and noon. I just kind of like toggled back and forth. Oh, that's amazing. You were just like, highly recommend. It's the only thing I could get down. And I, I was not in a good place a few times and I was like, give it, just put it in my water, put the electrolytes in my water. Oh my gosh. Um, So that's a good, uh, that's a good, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Promotion? No. Okay. A good endorsement. A good endorsement, endorsement yes. for that. Yeah. I will say that if you're like wondering what to, <laughs> this is just for those going through labor and delivery, is that electrolytes are 
are 100% important because you're constantly like you're losing fluid, you're sweating, you might throw up a few times, which I did, which was not fun. And your your body is going through like the biggest athletic event of its life. And so many people are like, because most places in hospitals, you're not allowed to eat. And people are like, but what if I want to eat? Personally, I did not want to eat. There was no food going in my body, but liquid I could get in and in and in and in. So mm-hmm. electrolytes, yes. Don't worry so much about the brand. That most of them are pretty good. I won't say all because I haven't vetted all, but most of them are pretty good. So do it based on taste and how you feel. Because some people will find that like they feel really good with noon when they have liquid IV, it's too sweet. Or they find with liquid IV, they feel hydrated with noon, they don't. And so don't get caught up in like, oh, well, Laura only uses liquid IV. I've, I've used a variety of them. Um, and so that is something that I think a lot of us could use. You could even, without using a product, get extra electrolytes by using things like salt. You can salt your water. You can use coconut water, which is high in potassium. And you can use things like bananas and grapefruit juice. And there's other ways to get these electrolytes in. Like in it's just when it's in a nice powder and packet, it does help, especially like post-workout. You can yeah, just put it in. It's and not quick about when it. they have like the single serving packets or like when you're traveling, I like to yep. travel with little packets of things to put in your water bottle, get your little travel water bottle when you pass security, like dump it. In. It's just like, it makes you feel bougie in a way when you're like at the airport. But uh, back to the being in labor, drinking electrolytes, part of me was like, why haven't they made a commercial endorsing the the biggest athletic event of your life, labor and delivery? Why aren't they making commercials of women drinking their product? Like, I don't know of a bigger event than, I mean, screw football players, like women giving birth. It's because women just, we put our head down and we just get it done. I tell my husband all the time. Let the woman do the work. I'm telling you. He could never have a baby. And he he admits it. He's like, yeah. He's like, it was hard enough just watching you go through labor. And I'm like, yeah. That's that's damn right. Lately, my tagline's been like, just let the women do the work. Just yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, we get shit done. You do get shit. You know why? Because we're freaking busy. So we we gotta get shit done, and we gotta get it done fast, and we got other other places to be and things to do. And like, yeah, and this is not at all male bashing. This is just saying women are badasses, and we need to be recognized. So yes, and you know what? The men out there who understand that support that fully. Yes. So yes. If you are offended yes. by that, yes. then you need to. I mean, I am just grateful. I just have to say this because my I love my husband so much. I'm just grateful. God, I'm so grateful that I have a husband that said we were. This was during the election. The election and guys, just take your judgment hats off for a mere moment on politics. On politics, and just think about inclusion for a moment. But we were watching the news. And Kamala is, you know, going to be the vice president. I'm like, that's just so amazing. We're all like talking. And my husband goes, yeah, that is amazing. And someday it's going to be two women. And I hope it's a badass lesbian. And I was like, yes. Like, I really just like the men who get it are like, they get it. They get it. it. Okay. And they're not, they're not intimidated by it. Yeah. And they shouldn't be, they should, they should instead be empowered by it and excited by it and, and understand that like, we can help each other if you Mm -hmm. just let us. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Not be threatened threatened by us. Okay. So, okay. (laughs) Sorry. We got derailed. It's okay. Girl power. (laughs) (laughs) Electrolytes. Right. So other things, other two that I thought of, so protein powder and 
it can, if, if you want it to be collagen powder, it can be collagen powder. If you want it to be protein powder, it can be protein powder. Here's the thing is that most active humans struggle to get enough protein in their day. Not every day, but if we're looking across the board, I generally like to tell people active women about hundred grams a day is what we're shooting for. That doesn't mean if you're someone eating 150 grams and feeling great, that you're wrong. I'm just saying that this is a good baseline. You might need more. You might be okay with a little bit less, but that's where we like to shoot for. And many women especially struggle to get that much protein. So protein powder, if we're getting a quality brand can be incredibly helpful to get you there. Maybe not every day, but a few days a week to just help bridge that gap between, you know, instead of getting 80 grams, you have a scoop of protein and now you're getting hundred grams. You're feeling more satisfied. You're recovering better from your workouts. And it's just, it's, it's helping with so much in your body because protein is the structure of your body. So I think that it, it can be really helpful. It's just kind of looking at how are you using it? If you're using it for three meals a day, then yeah, we need to figure out how to get you protein elsewise. But if, for instance, this morning I was running, doing 20 different things, I made a smoothie that had protein powder in it because I just knew I was like, I don't have time to make myself a meal, but I can make myself a smoothie that has 20 extra grams of protein in it. And I'm good. And I felt better because of it, because it actually stayed with me. Um, so that's something that I think is important Whey is the preferred protein powder, but not everyone can tolerate it. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're not going to get a good protein powder. So I would say whey first, if you can't do whey, casein is also a good option. Casein is just the other protein found in milk and it's a little bit longer to digest. So you can also play around with both of them. You might find you feel better with one or the other. You can you know, vary it up, or there are plenty of companies that are now coming out with other options. There's egg white uh, protein powder, plant-based with pea protein or rice protein. Um, you just want to make sure that you're looking at the ingredients and vetting the company a little bit, because there can be heavy metals found in more of the plant-based protein powders. Um, so you just want to make sure you're vetting them. Labdoor.com is a great place to start. Consumerlabs.com is another place to start to look. I was and just going to ask, how do you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people always ask me about the third-party testing. Cause I'm like, I always talk about it. And the company should not only have most, most of them have it on the label. Not all of them will have it on their label, but they should have it on their label that they're third-party tested. And there's a bunch of different testing companies that do it. Or when you go to their website or labdoor.com, you should be able to find that they were tested. And the third-party tester just basically means that like, if I had a supplement company and I ran my own test and I'm telling you what's in the product, I'm biased. I'm obviously going to make sure that we get the results that I'm looking for. Whereas if I sent my product to Joy and she tested it, she could be a third-party tested. Obviously, she would probably need to be a little bit further removed, not someone who like we're best friends, but like some she's a, she's a different company that is going to be testing the product who has no stake in the game, no money invested in the company. They're literally just testing the product for unbiased results to say, yep, this is what's in the product. No heavy metals, or there are heavy metals, whatever it might be. And it's kind so of like peer reviewed for. research in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I would say protein powder would be another one. It doesn't need to be all the time, but that's another good tool to have in your pantry for when you're just struggling to get enough protein in. The third thing that I'm seeing more research come out on, which I'm actually trialing myself, is creatine. Creatine has always been like seen as like the weightlifter. Yeah, um, I was going to say like bodybuilding, weightlifting, mm -hmm. raw. And so they're finding that 
that, well, they've always kind of known, not always, but the research has shown that through, by taking creatine, you can see improvements in strength and like high intensity sport. You're not going to see it for the endurance athletes. The one downside that is often um, talked about is water retention. So you might end up putting on a few pounds and it's just water weight. When you stop taking it, you won't hold on to it. They're also finding that there could be benefits, especially to women that um, with creatine intake consistently, that it may have an effect on their mood. And so, and there was something else too. It was mood and energy, I believe. For someone who is post to six, almost seven months postpartum, like I have been struggling with things like anxiety and fatigue even though my sleep deprivation is, is gotten way better. We're mostly sleeping through the night. Like I feel, I feel better, but there's still that lingering. So I looked at the research and I'm like, yeah, I want to try and see if this is a thing. Um, I don't necessarily care that I'm getting stronger in the gym because that's not where I am in the season of my fitness life, but I would love to see if there's actual uh, mental and mood benefits. Um, so that's something that they're coming out with. Um, so I think that there's a lot of value in that to just to try it. And everyone's different. Um, not everyone will respond the same to any supplement, um, but they're saying basically five grams a day consistently has been shown to help with all of that. Um, and so I think that that's something worthwhile to look into. Once again, you're going to look for quality of supplement and making sure that it's, it doesn't have a ton of fillers in it. It's a third-party tested company and um, it's something you can actually incorporate. There's pill and powder. So it just depends like how you like to take your supplements. And that's for females you're talking about? And males. And um, males? I'm not sure... If they're, I'm not sure the, the kind of brief that I was looking at was directed to females as far as the mood and the fatigue, but for the strength gains and for the high intensity, it's across the board. Got it. Interesting. And there is normally a building period with creatine. You're supposed to do, I believe it's three servings of five grams per day for, I want to say a week. And then you just taper down to five grams per day, but they have shown that you can still get the same benefits. If you just do five grams a day, like personally, I can't remember to take supplements three times a day. That's not happening for me. I can barely remember like, you know, what I'm supposed to do from morning till night. So, um, they, they say, if you do the recommended five grams per day, that's also okay. You're just probably going to see results slower, which is fine. You'll still, if you're going to get them, you're still going to find them. Exactly. Okay. That's great. Let's talk really quick. Cause I wanted to mention something back with it. I know it's been since the beginning when we were talking about the article with Sarah Sigmund's daughter around how doctors, some doctors, some doctors, not all doctors. Um, there's great doctors out there. And just a disclaimer, I'm not against Western medicine. <laughs> Ever since I started seeing a naturopath, everyone's like, are you against Western medicine? I'm like, absolutely not. The idea that someone can say, well, it's just normal that you lose your period when you're an athlete. I think of like all the gymnasts and or any really elite athlete, uh, female runners that push through. And the idea that pushing through means you're stronger is really troublesome to me. And how she lost her period and they said, the doctor, her doctor said, it's just normal for athletes. And then a year later, she broke her rib and started getting injuries. And I think what I notice, I'm turning 44 the week this podcast comes out. And 
I'm not saying like I'm this old wise person, but I think what I've noticed over my lifetime thus far is of course, when you're younger, you can bounce back like crazy. (laughs) You can bounce back from a hangover. You can bounce back by getting two hours of sleep at night. I mean, you can bounce back so much easier. And so we're also looking at age-wise, these athletes are younger and maybe their bodies are just bouncing back. And But there's a breaking point. I'm just theorizing here. Like there's got to be a breaking point where the body's like, all right, we're done. We're done. And kind, I think about this all the time. First of all, I think about you anytime I'm about to like get conned into buying some supplement uh, or drink that really is too expensive and I don't need it because you're always like, it's just expensive pee. I think I can't tell you how many times I think about expensive pee throughout my day when I'm shopping because I'm always like, it's just expensive pee. Don't don't spend your money on it unless you like really need it unless it's like electrolytes. And then the other thing I think about is my naturopath we recently interviewed and she talked about like how how amazing your body is that it will really work very hard to eat a piece of foil if you ate a piece of foil. Like your body doesn't question what you're putting into it. Your body will take it and will just be like, all right, we're going to work on this. We're going to, we're going to do our job. And she's like, that's how amazing your body is. But you also have to realize like what you're putting in it or what you're doing to it is going to affect it negatively if it's not good. Cause your body's just so forgiving. It will be like, okay, we're going to take this foil and we're going to try and digest it. She's like, cause it's just doing its job, <laughs> you know? And so I just think of like, how younger athletes and we are looking at that being like, well, how can we train so hard and just like push through it? When in fact, your body is going to hit a breaking point. Do you see or agree with that? Like that there is a breaking point? And how do you kind of coach people to rein it in a little bit? I think there's two, there's two things to focus on. One, what can we do to prevent or delay this? And I think that is something that, I mean, coming from being a competitive athlete that was barely touched on. And so when I talk to athletes and I do work with some high school athletes and I'll talk to high school teams, like my priority is to get them to understand that they need to fuel themselves. Their goal is not to be as tiny as possible. Their goal is to fuel themselves so they have enough energy as possible to perform and to recover, right? Because you can perform but then if you can't recover and get back there, then what, what was the point? Like you have, if you want to keep going, you have to recover. So that is huge for me. I don't think enough athletes are encouraged to fuel their body and not just saying like throw as much calories as possible, which like as a swimmer, yeah, like you have to eat a crap ton of calories, but like what else could that athlete have been doing? Like, why wasn't I encouraged to eat more protein? Why wasn't I encouraged to carb load? Why, like, why were a lot of these things, why I never took electrolytes. Like I was given Gatorade and Gatorade gave me such bad heartburn that I just wouldn't drink it. I would pretend I would drink it and I just wouldn't like, why wasn't there another option? So like, That I think we just need more education and more help to the younger athletes so that they can be better athletes for a longer period of time. Now, that doesn't capture the person who decides in their 20s that they're going to become a CrossFit athlete and just happen to be super talented, but at least we can capture those. The next part, I think, is understanding like what season of life you're in. And that's obviously going to also miss the elite athletes that are probably in their twenties. But I think what happens is a lot of people think that like, I was fine in my teens and my twenties. So I'm just going to 
work out six days a week in my thirties so that I can drink whatever I want, eat whatever right. I want. Like that transactional relationship thing. And exactly. Yeah. And, and really pushing it, pushing means you're just tougher. It's kind of the yeah. mentality. Yeah. yeah. Or like it's a one-up competition, right? Like I PR'd my snatch today, which I think we've talked about this conversation before of like, there is a lot of good in CrossFit. Like I acknowledge that, right? Like most of my friends have come from the CrossFit space. We have, we have a similar interest in life, but there's also this toxic culture that doesn't get talked about a lot. And it's just like this toxic, and it's not like, it's not like going to a bar and drinking too much. It's not like taking too many drugs. It's not something that's going to kill you or be super detrimental to your performance in life, but it can be super negative in the fact that it's making you basically be in a stressed out state over and over and over and over again. And at some point your body's going to break at some point, either it's going to be your mental health or your physical health, your sleep, your relationships, like something's going to break. If you get wrapped up in that culture, I have friends who've been in CrossFit for years and they don't get wrapped up in this at all. It's just a personality. They're like, yeah, like, I don't care if I never PR, like I just go because I like the community and that's great. I wish I had that. I'm a competitive person and I always have been, I'm an athlete. So like I can get wrapped up in that really easily of like, oh my God, I want to PR and I want to go heavy. And I'm going to basically ignore all the signals from my body because all these external signals are telling me that I need to go faster and harder and do more and show up more and work on every skill in the, in the book. Um, and this can go for anything. It doesn't just have to be CrossFit. It can be someone who does, you know, powerlifting or bodybuilding or whatever it might be. But the other thing to keep in mind is if this is not your full-time job, which for 99% of it, it's not like you also have the stressors from life and work and I mean, what's going on in the world and, right now. Like, yeah. So many I mean, things. the state of the world. Right. And right. so beating your body down over and over and over again to try to get it to either look like something or, you know, be on the leaderboard for something is super detrimental. And I just, I don't know how to fix this problem because I feel like it's something that I keep seeing and I just want to make it better, even for myself. Like, how can I be in an environment where I am pushing myself, but not to a level that I'm not capable of handling in that moment? I struggle with this too, because I see what I thought was just this indestructible person because I was so healthy and so active and uh I was very stressed out in 2020 as we all were but working in healthcare in a very stressful work environment and I used exercise to relieve my stress and I pushed myself very hard thinking like this is going to relieve my stress and I thought pushing through and pushing 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 was going to be helpful when in fact my body again our bodies are so so smart and it's like, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. We're running hard and you're pushing through this. I'm going to try and meet you where you are. <laughs> and then it eventually is like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're tired. And then I got Graves disease and I got really unhealthy because there's only so much that your body can be like, oh, you know, and I think that what I hope to share by, by us having these conversations is like, you're not immune listener from these things happening and to take it very seriously. And I'm not trying to be doomsday, but I was like the healthiest person in my mind. It's like, I am so healthy. 
And turns out that our bodies will be like, yeah, we're done. Like we're done with this. And so that's why I kind of like, I've been watching these younger CrossFit athletes over the years because now they're getting older and they're like late twenties, maybe early thirties where I'm like, what's going to happen to their bodies? Because this is not sustainable. (laughs) And it's not to say like, don't be active, but we've pushed it too far. And I think I can say that, especially for people listening to this podcast, a lot of people have pushed it too far. And if you feel like you're pushing it too far and you're just exhausted and maybe you're not quote unquote getting the results. And I hate even saying that because it just kind of uh, insinuates that we all need to like be losing weight. But you know what I'm saying is like, there's a problem there that your body is really fighting against you. And I fear that we don't think that that's going to happen to us. I certainly wasn't one of those people. I was like, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be like, I'm good. I can take it. I'm tough. too, though. Like, I don't, it's like part of it of like, well, you know, if you just want to get better, you have to try harder. You have to macro harder. You have to do, you know, take more greens as opposed to actually thinking, what can I take off of my plate? Like, what is it that needs to be taken off my plate? 1,000%. And I also like to say like, this doesn't mean stop moving. This doesn't mean stop prioritizing your health. Cause I think what people hear is like, okay, well, if I can't do CrossFit, then I can't do anything. It's like, no, no, we need to sometimes back off before we can add things back on. And so we have to say, okay, high intensity isn't working for you right now because a lot of people are not able to go to the gym and just do what their body actually needs that day. Some people can, some people are great at that. Like I have a friend who I literally am thinking of right now. Like if she's having a bad day, she'll go, she'll work out to like the bare minimum and she will go on her way as opposed to other ones of us, myself included, who had a bad day, bad sleep, exhausted. Okay. Yeah. Let me push really hard because this will make me feel better. Give me an endorphin. And so it's, it's also important to know who you are in that spectrum and understanding like, like I have to say not being in a CrossFit gym postpartum is probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Oh, I bet. Because I've been an athlete my whole life and I'm someone who I'm a high achiever. I like, I know when I work hard, I can see results. Not being in a gym postpartum has been so healthy for me because I've been able to actually listen to my body. I have done less exercise in the past six months than I've done in my whole life. It doesn't mean I'm not, not moving. Like that's what people think too. It's like, oh, well, guess you're not like trying hard. Yeah, exactly. Or it's just like, oh yeah, she's, I'm not saying this about you, but like, if I was to think about myself like, oh yeah, I'm letting myself go. Like that's not it at all. And what does that even mean? But just like move, just because you're not pushing it to the max, the max heart rate, that just mean, it doesn't mean that you're not doing something healthy for yourself. Sometimes doing something healthy for yourself is just going on a nice leisurely walk. When I was going through Graves disease, and by the way, for listeners who don't know, I was diagnosed in November, 2020, and I worked very closely with a naturopath for six months and I was able to go into remission. I all my labs are normal. I am back to my normal weight. Like everything is good to go. And I'm so happy, like back to normal, 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 normal. And, uh, but I remember I would lovingly say this because I truly meant it. And I was so happy to just be able to move. Like I remember picking up a barbell for the first time because I was so weak. Graves disease like took 
a lot of weight off my body and I was very, very weak where I couldn't even like lift anything. I remember picking up a barbell and my whole body was shaking because I was so weak. And I would go in and I'd call this my grandma workouts because I'd be like, I would go in and do 20 minutes of movement that just felt good to me. Sometimes I would just turn on the Peloton app and I would put in my earbuds and I would just do like some light weights and move and stretch and just move. And that just felt good. And I didn't get my heart rate up and I watched very closely that my heart rate wasn't getting high. And that was lovely. And I felt energized and like invigorated. And that's I feel what I feel like we should, we should not be laid out on the floor feeling like we're going to die. No, not at all. And I think it's just important to recognize that like we all go through seasons of change. Like, I think that's what's so hard. And we, I mean, I, we all struggle with it, but like recognizing where you are and understanding what makes the most sense for you. I had to tell a client that recently, you know, she's just going through a lot and her stress is super high and her resources are low as far as like time and energy and space. So I'm like, why does, why do you think that weight loss and um, more exercise is right for you right now? And it's because we're told that we're told that the priority should be eat less, move more. And we can't, for whatever reason, we can't get out of that that cycle instead of recognizing, okay, you know what? No, like my priority right now is my family, my job survival. And then I can worry about not to say your health shouldn't be like kind of around all of that, but the, the, we feel like the only way we can be healthy is if we're basically like limiting our food and making sure we're maximizing our output. And that's just not what we need to be focusing on. Like most people I look at their day to day and I'm like, I don't even care that you work out. I care that you get up from your desk and move, like go for a walk. I can't, I mean, I know when I'm having my hardest days anxiety wise and like mood wise, a walk can change literally everything. Just Walks getting the best. Yes. The best. And I just read this somewhere. Maybe it was a podcast. I want to say maybe it was a Brene Brown interview. If I find it, I'll post it. But but the bottom line is there was a doctor on the show that was saying one of the best things that you can do for your mood and for your health is to take a walk and talk to a friend. I believe that. I'm like, that's lovely. And I now I now I understand why I love to go for walks and talk on the phone or listen to podcasts or books sometimes. But like, yeah, I like half the time will ask my friends to go on walking dates and it's so So lovely. Yes, I would agree with that. And that should be the priority, like especially in seasons of life where you're so stressed and you're so tired and beat down. It's not to say stop moving because I think that's what people say like, okay, well, you know what? Like I'm so burnt out and I'm so stressed out that I guess I shouldn't move and I should just kind of like throw in the towel. No, right. Because that actually will negatively impact your mood. Like movement helps your mood. Yes. Just don't go like exactly lay out on the floor. Like you shouldn't go beat yourself down and do the hardest workout you've ever done in a time when you're so stressed out. And I understand that's hard. I'm with you. I'm, I'm someone who I I call myself a recovering CrossFitter. Like I, I truly am. And I'm learning it every day. My body is not what it used to be. And that's okay. It's just learning that how to treat my body and what's going to be best for me. And that's going to take time and it's going to change again. I mean, that's just life, especially females. Females go through a lot of different changes with or without pregnancy. We just have a lot 
I mean, we have so many hormonal changes changes in one month, and then we have to do that how many months over for how many years? And so I think it's really important as a female who is active to also honor that a little bit a little bit more because our bodies go through a lot of hormonal changes that men don't have to experience. And so we can't be comparing ourselves to them either because Mm -hmm. we have other, other processes going on in our body that deplete us of minerals and nutrients more so than the male body. Right. So two questions as we wrap up here, uh, and it can be lightning round or it can be as long as you want it to be (laughs) talk a little bit about the, elite athletes, or at least just the competitive athletes, because I'm sure you saw this too, being a competitive athlete, um, that thinner equals better. So thinner equals you're going to run faster, thinner equals you might, you're probably going to swim faster. I mean, is that true? And, and how do you educate around not starving yourself? Because that goes back to the younger people can kind of rebound and get by, but some of the more elite, I've, I've followed some elite athletes who've gone to that journey where their body eventually is like, I'm, I'm calling uncle, and they get fractures and they get injured and they whatever, whatever, because their body can only do so much without food, <laughs> without with a small amount of food. So talk a little bit about that, if you would. Thinner is not better. End of story. I had a swim coach who I think did a lot of damage to my swim team because he would call out people who he thought weren't eating enough. And then he would uh, tell other people they were eating too much. And so it was a, it was a double-edged sword for a lot of people, because if you weren't told anything, then you just assumed you weren't eating, you were eating too much. If you were told you were eating too little, it was almost like a positive reinforcement of like, Oh, my body must be thin. I must look fit. I must, you know, it, it was never saying, I think you're eating too little. You need to go get help. It was just, I think you're eating too little, or I think you're eating too much. And there was never any resources provided. And I would assume that at any level of elite competition, depending on the sport, but something where, you know, you're running or swimming, you're going through air or water, right? Like, yes, some body fat, could not some an excess amount of body fat could have potential negative effects. But I think that being too thin could have just as many negative results. So it's like, why aren't we saying like, you know, we need to actually look at the whole athlete and understand like, how do we fuel this athlete? And maybe their body will just be in a different shape, but still perform really well. It just, it's going to depend on the person. I truly believe that. And it's not saying like, eat whatever the heck you want. It's saying, no, how do we fuel you as opposed to what do you look like? And I will say that, like, I also knew a lot of gymnasts because I was, I was roommates with one in college and I felt so bad for them because their whole practice, they're judging one another. It's just a part of what they do. It's not that they're, I don't think they intentionally need to judge each other as human beings or as bodies, but one person is going and doing a vault or a floor routine or the balance beam, whatever it might be. And the rest of the team is looking on and judging them. And so their, their body is constantly on display. So I think that's where those types of sports, they suffer even more because their body is being put on display and their body is being talked about and they're comparing themselves to other bodies. Whereas luckily in swimming and running, your time is what you're being judged against. So I think there's a little bit of buffer there, but that doesn't mean that people are immune from it. I I had teammates who had eating disorders. And so I think 
it especially just, like when you're wearing a bathing suit or yeah. you're like the small running outfits, like all the outfits that are just very small. It's hard. I'm guessing it's hard not to like judge by what you're looking like. I think it was pretty cool. There were a bunch of female teams and athletes at the uh, past Olympics. Olympics, Olympics who, yeah. Who talked about like, or who fought for different uniforms. Uniforms, yeah. And I thought that was really powerful because it's like, yeah, why? Now you could say that some probably just enjoy it. Like with swimming, I'm not going to wear a track suit, like a, you know, right. full I, yeah, it's probably like, not obviously, the most aerodynamic. Yeah. Exactly. Like obviously, <laughs> but there are some sports where it's like, why am I wearing a thong when I could easily be wearing, you know, sh- like biker shorts. Right. Like and the so volleyball team, they were talking yeah. about like, they didn't want to wear bathing suits or bikinis, I guess. And um, then the German gymnasts wore these like awesome full length leotards for the gym the gymnast routines and it's like yes these are the things that you should at least have a choice now great if you just want to wear a small leotard and you're more comfortable who am i to say i'm not a gymnast i don't know how it feels to roll around and jump around and in a, yeah, unit, a leotard. I have so much respect for that. You know, yeah. I'm like, that's amazing. And it, they never get snuggies. I'm like, it would be in my butt. Like, I don't know how they, I'm sure they have pace. There's I know they have like, yeah. Oh, a spray. Yeah, that's what it is. Yes. Like, I know there's something that holds it in place, yes. but that's what I'd be worried about the whole time. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I, if they want to wear that, great. And there should be an option. But I, yeah, I think that's just the thinner is better. And also, you know, watching my weight because I have to perform is just very interesting. And I saw that a lot with, the, there was a kind of like this wave of macro counting uh, a few years ago where everybody seemed to be macro counting, myself included. Um, I'm just like making a gross noise that, you know what, I, we all make mistakes, guys. But that I watched the CrossFit athletes just basically starving themselves. And I'm like, this is not going to end well. Someone's going to break a rib. Someone's going to get injured. Someone's going to hurt their shoulder. You know, like it's all just, I worry about it so much, but that's another rant for another day, I guess. I I do think that there, I don't know that all athletes, I'm not really in the elite CrossFit community anymore. I was for a while because I was working with Inside Tracker and I worked with a lot of those elite athletes, but I will say that I am seeing more women talk about feeding themselves more so I think there is a push. I don't know that it's across the board. Amanda Barnhart does a great job of it. Um, she she does not claim to be an expert. She always puts disclaimers. Um, she's good friends with a dietitian, which I think helps too. Um, but she always posts about how much she's eating, which is a lot. And I think that's great for her because she's transparent. She's like, hey, this is what I eat. I eat a lot of food. Right. And she tracks it because she needs to make sure she's eating enough. And I think that's powerful. I wish there was more of that rhetoric of like, I track as an elite athlete because I need to make sure that I'm eating enough as opposed to I'm tracking to make sure I don't overeat, which was the rhetoric for a while and the and still is in the CrossFit community, right? Like the zone diet was basically all about like making sure you, because if you eat too much, then your longevity and yada, yada is going to be at risk. Whereas now I am seeing, and I've also curated my feet a little bit different because I was getting so burnt out of seeing a lot of these CrossFit athletes who were under eating and felt helpless because I'm like, I'm watching them. Yeah, it's like you're watching someone just stand in front of a train and you're like, you can't do anything about it. It's so sad. Yeah. So, um, and I, I know the Katrin Davis daughter no longer works with said company. That was, I try not to talk about her name names because I got in trouble once when I did, but she has moved on to, I think she does M2 performance and they also have a really good track record with feeding their athletes and fueling their athletes. So I'm hopeful that there's a lot of 
uh, not a lot, but I'm hoping that those top athletes start leading the charge to say, no, like I'm fueling my body because if they want to continue to be competitive, they're going to have to, there's no other choice. Otherwise they're going to have broken ribs and broken yep. bones and yeah. completely be burnt out. You and cannot so, outsmart your body in that way. No, no you just can't. It's eventually going to catch up with you. Yeah. So the last question before we end this episode is around what I eat in a day. Um, posts and I, <laughs> I rage texted this to you last night because I was going through my like Apple News app and I get notifications for like the top magazines and um, one of them was Women's Health and it was like I don't even remember who was posting maybe it was some a broadcaster model, yeah I didn't broad- I, yeah I didn't I didn't recognize was like her. what I eat in a day and first of all I cannot. Stand what I ate in a day post. I can't stand mm-hmm. it. I can't stand it. I get so angry. I'm angry right now. And this woman, <laughs> I gotta nothing. find it. Let's find it. Let's find for like just the morning. For first of all, I just, I mean, and I'm not gonna I'm read, gonna the, read whole the whole thing. whole day because the whole day is really okay. Let's read the much. whole day because part of me was like, well, I don't want to feed this beast, but part of me is like, actually, we need to because okay, broadcaster Lisa Snowden, 49 years old, TV and radio broadcaster and model. Monday, 6 a.m. Shot of Simprove probiotic. I don't even know what that is. Okay, she, she has a shot of Simprove probiotic at 6 a.m. 6:30. My biggest pet peeve: hot water and lemon. I'm like, who has the time to just like put together some hot can't stand it can't stand it hot water with lemon collagen pills 7 a.m kefir with berries and seeds black coffee i mean all of this is just so wrong i'm like black coffee this is like diet culture city and then okay first of all 7 a.m then then we have a big jump at 3 p.m we have tabbouleh and hummus spinach salad with apple pomegranate and cucumber that just sounds to me like zero calories whatsoever mm, that just sounds like water salad yeah, yeah it's- and then 7 p.m few few squares of dark chocolate all, all of this language and then she says i start most mornings with a walk with my fiance which clears my head Today, I was working on a podcast from home and we ordered a large late lunch from a nearby Turkish place, like hence the big jump from 7am to 3pm. But I'm like, I would be starving. The next day was kind of the same thing as far. Oh, she didn't really have breakfast. 6am probiotic, 630 hot water with lemon and collagen pills, 7am black coffee. Uh, All I'm thinking like my my naturopath's voice in my head, where she's like, her cortisol, though. Yeah. Um, and then one thirty, man. And then one thirty p.m. Green vegetable soup, chickpea, aubergine, and rocket wrap. I don't know what that is. And then a banana smoothie. And then seven thirty p.m. Vegetable stir fry with quinoa, spring onions, and a white bean dip. I mean, and every day goes through this, which is like, oh, let me let me just tell you my favorite for a snack: an apple and a handful of almonds. I tell you, those handful of almonds. Oh, it's the handful. Of so. Almonds. There's big problems with posting what you eat in a day. Why do you think it's a big problem? Oh, there's a lot of big problems. We could just have a whole episode of what I eat in a day post. One is that you don't know the whole picture. You don't know one. I mean, that could be all she's eating. That could also not be all she's eating. That could be what she only eats one week out of three months because she's doing a more fasted week, which there are that would be a whole nother discussion, but say that's all she did. And the other days she does, you know, more, she eats more, who knows? 
it definitely can show, I mean, to me, it, it shows a lot of people's disordered eating. And then I think people say, well, that person looks great. She sounds great. She's healthy. She looks the part. So now I want to do it as well. So I think that's the part is one is that like, there's no filter saying this, I have a disordered relationship with food. I have an eating disorder. It's just, here's what I eat in a day. And here's what I look like. And people then say, oh, if I do this and I get to connect the dots. I'm going to look like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what people think. And then the other side of it is, is you don't know what else is going on. Um, I had a client once tell me that she had a CrossFit coach who was doing that, like what I ate in a day. And she was doing it more from like, look how much I eat. And she was bulimic. And so not the, not my client, the, the CrossFit coach. coach. Yeah. And so that's also a problem, right? Yeah. Like yeah. she's it's showing because it's and like people, yeah. yeah, like you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And I don't wish bad things to anyone who are posting these. I, I hope to God that they're right. We okay hope that there's that. no eating disorders, but I think yes. the problem, look, the problem, like obvious, we would hope that it's obvious. We don't want harm on anybody with any of this, but what it is, is harmful for the audience when you have no context, you have no, no context. context other than a plate of freaking food and a completely different body type than yours. And also it sets this weird standard or it implies that we should all be doing this and we're all so different. And so speak to really quickly, like speak to your experience of how broad the spectrum is of how different people, people's meal plans are when you're working with them. So different. Like, you know, how, how broad, how broad? So, it's so broad. I can't even tell you. And you know what I just thought of? So we started solids with Connor, my six and a half month old. And so when cute. You, that photo of him with like all of his food everywhere, the best. And it's like classic. It's like, I'm just going to put it everywhere. Everywhere. My mouth. He is yeah. so messy. And, but he's loving. I think what I love so much about it is you recognize how intuitive humans are from the get go. And when you're looking into the baby led weaning and, you know, I've asked pediatric dietitians and all this, like how much to feed them, there is no answer at all. Even I'm nursing. Which is him, amazing. Yeah. There's no answer for that either. Yep. And that's, what's crazy is I'm like, like I'm learning so much through him, which I think is so cool. And I'm just like, I offer him food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I offer him the breast five to six times per day. Every day is different every day. Yeah. Like, every, some that, days he nurses yep. for 40 minutes. Some days it's 10 minutes. Some like tonight at dinner, he like couldn't be bothered with the food. And we had a very active and busy day and he like looked at it and he was like playing around with it. And if you've been following me on Instagram, you see him, he shoves food in his mouth and he eats. It's, it's just so enjoying. It, it's enjoying uh, whatever word I'm looking for. It's very yeah. fun to watch him. And when you look at that, that's how you can tell that like what we eat is going to be variable. It's not to say there's not a time place for tracking and macros that there are, that's a tool in the toolbox. Yeah. And, and you, for for the record, yeah, for the record, you do work with some people with macros because it depends, right? It totally depends. depends. But when you look at a child and how they're eating, and I talk to other moms who are in it with me doing it, our kids eat so different and they're growing and they're flourishing and they're healthy and they're happy and they're developing. And I'm like, there's gotta be something to that, right? Like 
as adults, obviously we're not developing and, you know, we're not growing as fast and we're not changing as fast, but we're still human. We're human beings who our appetites are going to vary. Our, you know, what, what we like is going to vary. What we need is going to vary from day to day, from month to month, from year to year. And so for us to compare ourselves to the person next to us can be really detrimental. And the thing is, is that like, you're probably, you're never going to look like that person. And that's okay. Never. You're going to look like you. And that's yeah. what you need to look like. And, exactly. you know, after years of hating my shoulders and muscles and whatever, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is just like, this is my genetics. And this is what I have. And I'm going to embrace that. And yeah. One of, one of your this listeners is... called in once and they said something about like, they would look in the mirror and they would say, this is my body today. This is my body today. And that was the most... I've used that. So thank you to that yeah. listener. Like I have used that with my clients because you're right. Like it is yep. neutral. This is it's my body just, today. Like this is it. Yeah. This is it. Like, yeah. we don't have to hate it. We don't have to love it. We don't have to be toxic about it. We literally no. just acknowledge. This is my body today. And I'm going to just go use my body. I'm going to walk. I'm going to use my legs. I mean, it's just, it's just the neutral. And I love what you said about Connor and what made me think about, I'm going to have a intuitive eating trained by Evelyn Tribolet. So kind of like trained by the, one of the gurus of intuitive eating that what I want to talk so much about is like babies, <laughs> babies and children are the original intuitive eaters Yes, because they don't have rules. They don't have, I mean, they're listening to their body. They like came they into this world. Different. And so when you think about it, when children start having issues with food is when the rules are starting to be put on them. Like you need to clean that plate. You need to blah, 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 blah. It's like, why are we not letting children listen to, well, it's like, well, then they're just going to eat sugar all day. Well, are they, or are you giving them all the options so that they can choose and listen to their body versus you need to shove this vegetable down your throat because you, you know, it's just, it's so, or cleaning your plate. I'm like, that drives me crazy because I'm like, then they're cleaning their plate, not listening to their body. I mean, anyway, that's a whole nother topic, yeah, but that. it's very, it, I'm glad you brought that up around Connor because you're like just watching him being like, this is, this food is fun. First of all, let me just spread it all over myself. I think we so should fun. all do that. But like, just, but also just like taking bites of things and being like, actually I'm full or no, actually breastfeeding today is his jam or, you know, like, that's just amazing to be like, he is the epitome of intuitive eating. Yeah. And listening to your body. And it is sad. Like we could probably have a whole episode of like, when was that lost for everybody? Because when no, I talk sure. to my clients, we do a, a diet history of understanding understanding like what led them to where they are today. Um, and I actually think I want to evolve that. I've talked to some other dietitians about that, evolving that into a diet timeline and understanding like when did all of your beliefs about nutrition and fitness and health evolve? Where did they come from? So that we can start acknowledging them and understanding like why do you feel guilt when you eat a certain way? Why is it that you believe that you have to count or like, you know, is it because your mom did Weight Watchers? Why is it that believe that you had a sup needed a supplement? Is it because your mom did slim fast? Like so many different things that I think we There's all need to so start unraveling. So many things. Because yeah, we I mean, all started intuitive. So we have to kind yes. of backtrack and say where what are, and we all have them. I have them included. Like I'm not immune to this. I have a lot of triggers that I have kind of been working through Mm -hmm. and understanding like, why do I eat a certain way or whatnot? And that's also going back to the, what I ate in a day. You don't know that person's diet. You don't. 
you, you don't know their and- timeline, you don't know their food issues. And I say food mm-hmm. issues, like we all just, I mean, it's just an, an issue. Um, you don't know the full context. And I think that it is so harmful when we just kind of put those expectations on ourselves. I love what you said about doing the inventory. It's very much like, and we should talk offline about this at some point, but it's very much like in therapy where I'm doing a trauma inventory. So, you know, if someone has a really bad pattern with relationships now, I kind of talk about, tell me what your history was like of what your relationships were growing up. What were your, your biological or what, what was your, your nuclear family like? Like, what was it that you were looking at when you were growing up? And then what were your relationships like, serious relationships like moving forward? And talking about those dynamics, it's very similar because the relationship with food is the same of how, what you, what you were exposed to. What did you witness? How did your parents talk about their bodies? Uh, you know, people will be like, yeah, my mom was constantly on a diet or yeah, my mom put me on a diet when I was seven. You know, it's like, ah, so that's very similar to therapy. And I know I talk about this with you all the time of like, I don't see how we can separate food and psychology or food and pathology or food, like the way that we feel about ourselves, because it's so, there's very few people that it's not an issue. And I just am so happy for those people. There's a lot, that's why the diet industry industry is billions and billions of dollars because it's intertwined with our self-worth. Totally. I mean, I tell every single one of my clients to go to therapy. I'm like, there's a reason that you're struggling with your food intake and I can help you with the habits that go around it. I cannot help you with the behavioral triggers, the trauma path in your past, like everything that led up to this. So I do think they're incredibly intertwined. And that kind of goes back to, I know we're way over time, but I think that goes back to like when you were talking about like, you're not against Western medicine, you just, you used a naturopath, like all of these can work together. We don't have to be cutting heads. Right. Instead, like I have a few um, primary care physicians that I'm friends with and because I'm friends with them and they know me, they now refer out, but they didn't before. They just assumed that they had to do it all because they were never given the tools and the resources as opposed to saying, you know, like, oh, wow. And, and here's the other thing, right? Like you were someone who wanted that more natural approach and you were actually going to follow through with it. And I think that's another issue is like these physicians, they see people like say they want to do it, but really they come back in a month and they totally. haven't changed anything. They're like, I don't want to do the hard work. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying like I'm some martyr, but I didn't want my thyroid burnt and killed. Like I just didn't. <laughs> And that's fine. And, yeah. But that's where if we just have, and this is a whole big issue with healthcare, right? It's like, it's not, we're not having all those interconnections. And so like, it's hard for somebody if they don't have the tools or know who to turn to, like how to get the help that they need. Like, okay, wow. I recognize that my blood pressure is high and my anxiety is high, whatever, like list all these things. I didn't realize that I could actually go to a dietitian my doctor just told me to be on the DASH diet or the Mediterranean diet or just eat less, move more, right? Like that's the classic line because the doctor has 10 minutes, not even eight, seven or eight minutes with you, right? Like they don't, and, and so I don't necessarily blame doctors. Healthcare has its own issues, but if we could find out how we can use all the different disciplines within healthcare to reach our 
optimal health, that would be really cool, right? Like if we could say, okay, I go to the doctor, I'm having X, Y, and Z problems. I go to a dietitian. I also go to a therapist so that I can come back in a year and my blood pressure is down and, you know, my, my lipids are more favorable, whatever it might be. My thyroid is more optimal. And now I'm using the system as it should be, as opposed to going, you know, last ditch effort and getting all the quick fixes. Well, this has just been so, so helpful. I feel like we could just talk for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and I know that you've been like teasing some podcasts talk. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I, I mean, you were one of the OG podcasters. You had an you had an OG did, podcast back, in, back the in the day. Yeah. Yeah. So are we um, looking worry, forward I, to some sassy? Hopefully. Okay. Uh, I definitely bit off more than I can chew without daycare. So daycare is coming, which I'm very sad about, but equally excited because I miss my career. My career is just kind of in a holding pattern right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, I obviously can talk. So, um, and I do find that social media is, you know, you probably feel sometimes too, it's very, um, it's very tiring and draining some days. And I do wish that I had a different platform that I could just talk to, you know, to the, the world, but mm -hmm. also talk with other people, just like you said, like talking yeah. to other, to friends on the phone. Like if I could actually talk to experts and, and, or just friends and talk about situations like health and wellness and fitness, and that people are dying to know about, about my public floor PT, you know, she has agreed to be on, like, I just want to have conversations that are real and that have like actionable takeaways. Like what, yeah. what can we be doing in these yeah. scenarios that don't feel like sometimes social media feels so curated to me. And so it's hard to show up some days because I am anything but curated. Yeah. And so I think that that's, I just kind of want to go back to podcasting. Cause I'm like, I love talking. I love connecting with people. And I want to have a platform where like, if you need to go learn about X, Y, and Z, you can go there as opposed to having to dig through the reels of people doing the stupid, like whatever they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like you're being a part of the solution too, when you're putting information out, as opposed to sometimes we can just feel like this very odd relationship with social media where there's days where I'm like, who cares? Does pe do people really want to see me putting on lipstick? You know, like I just kind of get in this space where I'm like, ugh, what does it all mean? Whereas podcasting, I feel like I can talk my feelings out. We can have a conversation. So I get it. Well, you feel, it feels like a little a bit safe, more. I think meaningful. I said this before we even started, like you're, you, you and Claire are a safe place to land. Yeah. Like, because I just feel like people know that you're, and, and I can vouch for you. I know you guys behind the scenes, you're just who you are on air that you are in person. And so it's really comforting. Like I listen to you guys and I know when I'm going, having a rough day and I'm going on a walk, like it's comforting to listen to you guys. And like, they're going to talk about something real. It's not going to be perfect and curated. It's going to go right, left and upside down. And it's going to be just real and what I need. And I'm going to probably take something away from it. Like uh, that listener, I, I don't even know how many years ago that was. It was so long ago, but I remember, I know exactly because like, I can like hear her voice yeah. in my head where she's yeah. like, this is just my it body sticks today. With you. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that I can provide that too. And many people have said, have Joy and Claire on your show. And I'm like, should I? Just kidding. Obviously I will. <laughs> Maybe they're a little too wild oh, for me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Okay. It's, it's on the list, but I have a lot of things on my list right now. And I just have to yeah. prioritize what's going to happen because I also have a kid now and he's taking up a lot of my energy yeah. in a good way. So In a great way. And he's adorable. We'll share with our listeners where they can find you again. At the Sassy Dietitian. It's two T's, no C. We put, I 
put the tit in dietitian. That's what people always say. I love um, it. <laughs> that's an easy and, way to remember it. Um, you, you can go on my website too, but Instagram is where you'll mostly find me. Um, I'm sharing mostly Connor content these days, but I will be in a week. I'll be more free. I'll have more free time, which will be weird. Well, this was a lovely conversation. And I just thank you again for all of your knowledge and how respectful you are of people needing to find what works for them. And it's and it's really calling out the crap that's out there. And I think that's really important that it's not bashing. It's not negative. It's just really that we feel so passionate about the truth. <laughs> um, so thank you listeners again for tuning in this is Girls Gone Wild podcast. Again, just a reminder that we are doing, we're, we are releasing episodes on this is Joy and Claire as well as Girls Gone Wild podcast now. Um, email us girlsgonewad at gmail.com for your feedback and subscribe, share with a friend. If you had a friend who listened to Girls Gone Wild, but they don't know that we're back, please share with them so they can get back on the subscription and we will talk to you next week. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for having me. Like we do it, like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.